Thank you, everybody, for your faithfulness to the house of God. Let's continue to be in prayer and fasting. God's doing great things. And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of, J of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him, and they could not speak peaceably unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And I want us to skip down um, one more verse. Skip down to uh, verse number 23. And it came to pass, everybody say, it came to pass, when Joseph was coming to his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, the coat of many colors that was on him. They took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. I don't feel like I'm going to be very long today, but with what God is doing and where he's taking us and and uh, just the general climate that I feel, I feel like it is very important that we understand that the enemy is after our dreams. Amen. I must say that again. I believe the enemy wants to snatch from you the very dreams that God has given you. Some of you are dreaming about the day that God does something for your family member or the day that God heals a sickness or the day that God does any other thing. I'm telling you right now, there is a real devil that is after our dreams and our visions. The Bible said that in the last days, God was going to pour his spirit upon all flesh. And a part of the spirit-filled church was going to be that there were going to be dreams and there were going to be visions. How many of you know that God has a dreaming, visionary church? Amen. God has a church that is always looking to something that is not, believing that the day will come that it is. Amen. That's the tension of living for God. It's the already but not yet. It's God did a lot now, but there's a whole lot of stuff I'm waiting on that I believe that God's going to do. And so I want to preach a little bit from this, from this, this subject. I want to preach to us about beyond the coat, beyond the coat. And if I were to give it a little lengthier title, it would be our dream better go beyond the coat. Amen. God, we thank you for the touch of the Holy Ghost that is here today. God, I know my job today. I know that I have an appointment, God, to speak the word of God. God, no matter how many distractions may try to appear, and God, no matter how many how many devils today are mad about what you are doing in this place, God. God, no matter how many critics today will be tuning in and how many people will be looking, God, to criticize what you're wanting to do, I know that I have an appointment today. Could God preach the word of the Lord and God to 
conquer some space in the Holy Ghost. And everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all of you for your faithfulness to the word of the Lord. You may be seated this morning. The story of Joseph is a powerful story. It is a story of a young man, 17 years of age. He is introduced to us just kind of randomly in the 37th chapter, but to understand Joseph a little bit, you've got to go backwards in the Word of God. And uh, you have to understand that Joseph was the last child that was born when his father was in the land where Laban, his uncle, lived. And to put a little context to this, Laban had used and abused his father, but really what was happening is God was letting a little bit of Jacob come back onto himself. He was a deceiver. He was, he was a supplanter. Uh, the very name Jacob means heel grabber, and we know that that comes from his wranglings with his brother Esau and his stealing, as it were, although we know divinely it was not stolen, but the stealing of the blessings that was meant to be uh, Esau's according to the custom. But Joseph is the child that is the last one born in a very tumultuous time in the life of his father Jacob. Is everybody here this morning? Amen. Everybody shake yourself a little bit and say, we're just going to get through maybe 35, 40 minutes of this, but there's a word from God today. Amen. And uh, I think it's important to comprehend that the brothers that had been born to Leah and Rachel uh, and those that were in in Laban's household and the territory at the time, I think it's very important to understand that, that Joseph marks a transition for his father and for his mother. Uh, we know that Rachel was the beloved. Rachel was the one that uh, Jacob waited 14 to possibly 20 plus years uh, so that he could marry her. And and uh, the Bible talks about all the deception that went with that. But they stayed where they were. But the moment that Rachel became pregnant with, with Joseph and Joseph was born, it was as though Joseph in the mind of Jacob, he represented something. It was as though something about Joseph just gripped him, and and uh, I don't know all the ins and outs of it, but it was as though Jacob said, you know what, I've dealt with a lot around here, and I've been here long enough, and, and uh, I don't know it's kept me here as long as I've been here after I married Rachel, but now that Joseph's a part of the picture, pack your bags, it's time to leave. If I can just say this, I think that the dreams of Joseph are very, very, very connected to the decision that his father made that it's time to get out of this stifling environment, this place that is not going to let us realize the blessings that are on our life as long as we're here. Can I just go ahead and tell parents that are here in this room today, environment matters for the future of your kids. What you 
you keep them in can often determine what they will become. And I'm going to tell you, that's why you've got to make every effort to, to make sure that your kids are in an environment where they are being plugged into the potential that God wants them to be and that God has for their life. All of us have regrets, and many of us here wish that at an earlier age we would have been able to plug our kids into a lifestyle of living for the Lord. And we know that maybe the way of the transgressor would not have been so hard on them. But thank God for mercy. And thank God for an opportunity to set right things that were done wrong. Amen. And so I believe, Brother Matt, with all of my heart, that 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 Jacob understood there's something special about this boy, Joseph. There's just something about him that dictates get up and you got to get away from where you are. Now, I wish he would have done that a little bit sooner. I don't know why he didn't, but I'm just trying to present to you that, that Joseph marks a pivotal picture in the word of God and we know that he's going to become a great man second in charge only to Pharaoh over all the land of Egypt he's going to be a man of influence and a man who is going to pave the way for the survival of the people of God when famine hits the land but I, I, I just got to make sure we don't get past that one point environment matters and he got them out of that place and they began to move through the land towards the purposes of God. And I think that that connects very important that he wasn't in that place too long, but the others were. And uh, so we do know that he is born there and, and time just kind of weaves its way through and not anything really is mentioned of him until this 37th chapter of the book of Genesis. We know that not long before this, his mother, his mother Rachel, on their journey, they, uh, she was pregnant again with his little brother. And uh, as they were journeying, we know that Rachel would begin to give childbirth. And as she was giving birth, she began to feel the life slip from her body. And as she was dying, she claimed that the son was basically a son of sorrow. And Joseph said, no, no, your experience, man, I could preach all day long about this, but your experience is not going to define the future of a child. Can I just say this to people that are in this room right now? You might have faced trauma, and you might have gone through your own hell, and you might have faced your own problems, but you don't have to put that on your children. You can protect them from your pain. You can protect them from your past. If you make up your mind not to label them what you were, you can get them through that. I feel like somebody ought to say amen. I'm not preaching about that right now, but I'm thankful that as she was, as she was, I'm not thankful for she was dying, but I'm thankful that as she was dying, her husband had a different mindset about him. You know what? Yes, this is sorrow for you. Yes, it's costing you everything to have this kid, but I will not have him defined by your sorrow. And so what Jacob did is he took that little boy up in his arms and he said, no, 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 no. We're not going to call him the son of my sorrow. We're going to call him Benjamin. You know what that, that word means? The son of my strength. In other words, sorrow is not going to define you. You're going to overcome that which you came out 
of. Oh, I wish I had a witness right now that said, hey, I might have had an alcoholic father, but you're not going to have an alcoholic father. I might have been abused as a child, but I'm not going to submit you to the abuse that I was a... Come on, that's what the apostolic church is all about. When you walk through those doors, he gives you a new name. He don't let you live in what you used to be. You become something new. You might have been a prostitute, but when you make it in here, you become a child of the living God and you can do anything. Come on, that's what I love about the church. Five generations of drug addicts can be disrupted by a sixth generation that finds their way to an altar with Jesus Christ and what everybody used to be, I'm no longer what they were. Can I just say this, be seated, can I just say this because I feel to say it, you might have missed your opportunity with your children, but you hear me, the church is a place where you can affect somebody else's children. You Don't quit because maybe you made some mistakes and now it's too late. Understand, there's kids coming in and there's other people in the church. You can do for them what you maybe didn't do for yours. That's the power of the church. I can connect you to hope oh see I, 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 I've done a lot of counseling and I'm not against counseling but the longer that I counsel the less I want to do it and I'll tell you why because nothing compares to the transformative power of the Holy Ghost in your life I'm telling you right now, nomenclature, labels, addiction, prescriptions, none of that's going to do anything in the long run. But when you start talking about Jesus, God can do in a moment, oh, he can do in a moment what a counselor can't do in five years. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Now, 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 now I'm going to clarify so nobody shoots targets at me because I'm a fairly easy target to shoot at. I'm not against counseling. But the main thing needs to be the main thing. And you know what the main thing is? It wasn't a program that got me out of drugs. It was Jesus at an altar. Oh! <laughs> Hallelujah. My God, I think every day how thankful I am for a preacher that preached truth that led me to an altar. It wasn't five weeks of preaching. It was one message about one hour long and it convicted my spirit, got me up from where I was and I said, man, I was gonna go check everywhere else out for help but I think I'll go talk to Jesus first. And I'm gonna tell you, like that, never had a trouble again with crystal meth never wanted to smoke a cigarette again never wanted to do marijuana never wanted to drink listen to me I know they say once an alcohol always an alcoholic honey not where I come from hey I'm not a recovering alcoholic I'm a was whiz, has been would have been could have been should have been an alcoholic but I'm no longer an alcoholic today he delivered me from what I used to be I, I get it. We're, we're going to start our own program here once we expand. And I'm going to teach out of the 12 steps because there's good principles to them. But the difference with me is we're not going to introduce ourselves as alcoholics. I'm going to speak faith. 
Now, you didn't hear me. I must speak faith. Hey, I'm struggling with alcohol, but God's going to help me. Oh, see, see, I, I've been to a lot of AA meetings. I'm not against them. They, they're powerful. They're helpful for people. But I'm going to tell you, I cringe every time. Hi, my name's Dan. I'm an alcoholic, and they haven't drank for two years. And I want to say, no, no, no. Don't claim to be what you're no longer. Just say, I used to be, but I'm not anymore. I'm not even preaching what I want to preach, but my God, I feel to preach this anyways. Ah! Sit down. I don't. I, ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I, 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 I get it. It's part of why less of me. I, I don't know. God's just taking that out of my hand. I'm getting less and less phone calls to fill in for the clinic. But you know, the clinic is just. And, and maybe they'll hear it, and maybe I'll get fired. Whatever. Um, but but the clinic is all about petting people. And um, helping them just find a way to live in their their terrible life and how to cope with their terrible life. And I got stories about a demoniac of Gadara who no man could help. He was chained up. They broke the chains, couldn't keep clothes on him, cut himself, tried to commit suicide. But one moment with Jesus, it changed everything. <laughs> Not a program, not six weeks with a program. One moment with Jesus and everything was changed. I'm going to say it because I'm already out on the limb and the limb's going to break. I, I, that's why I got a big problem with a lot of the prescription doping schedules that they do. I'm, I'm going to tell you what they, they is, can I just preach for a moment? I, well, yeah, I'm not asking your permission. Y'all know me by now. I, thank you for saying yes. I'd have done it anyways. But you know what they would have done with the demoniac of Gadara? They'd have diagnosed him with schizophrenia disorder. And when they got him in a, in a room, they would have put a straitjacket on him. They would have medicated him. I, 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 listen to me. I, I, I'm not against if you've got thyroid problems and it's causing depression, you can get your thyroid taken care of. That's real science. But what I am against is when you take a pill bottle and you're struggling with anxiety and on the pill bottle it says chances of suicidal ideation are high. Honey, you're replacing one devil for another devil. Oh, I'm going to preach right now. I'm going to tell you, I talked to a preacher the other day. He said, I saw what they were giving a family member. I threw it against the wall and I said, we got to pray because there's a better solution to substituting anxiety for depression and suicide. I'll tell you the answer for it. It's, it's, it's going and using the doctors to the degree that God wants them to be used, but don't make everything a, a diagnosis. Get to the foot of the cross and God can do anything that they can't do. But, but, but I'm going to say what they would do. They, I, I'm going to say this right now. I have tried to pray and work with a lot of medicated people. Here's what happens when you medicate the demoniac. You steal from him the very thing that led him to Jesus. Oh, I feel like preaching right now. Uh, the human spirit is powerful. And while he was controlled by a legion of devils, he still had enough human spirit left that when Jesus showed up on the shores of Gadara, he ran, fell at the feet of the master, and the fragment of him that was left began to worship. 
But what medicating does uh, is it binds the human spirit. Uh, and what happens is we're okay. He don't bother us no more. He don't need help no more. You hear that? It's quiet. He's not screaming no more. Look at he's fully clothed. He ain't breaking out of his chains. That's what happens in this dope-fed world that we're living in is they'll come in here and, and, and they're still messed up and got problems, but they're numb to every feeling in their life. And when the spirit tries to move, they can't feel nothing. I'm going to tell you, I've had a harder time praying with people that needed the Holy Ghost uh, that were medicated uh, than I did the prostitute uh, and I did the perverted man uh, and I did the, the drug addict uh, and I did the person that was messed. I'm going to tell you, medicated people, they've had that human spirit numbed. I, I don't know why I'm on this right now, but it needs to be said anyways. I, I, I'm, now, I'm not going to tell somebody come in here, been on depression meds for 25 years, cold turkey stop. That's dangerous. Something will happen to them, but I'm going to tell you right now, I want to find an altar with them, and we're going to start praying because I don't believe you are designed to have depression. I'm going to say that again. You are not designed to have depression. You are not designed to have anxiety. Oh, my God, I'm in the Holy Ghost. Listen to me. Anxiety becomes the result of environment many times. It's things we've experienced and lived through. Post-traumatic stress, they got rid of the D in the disorder because they're trying to normatize it because trauma's real. But trauma doesn't happen, and those things don't happen without other people submitting you to them. But you were not born to be anxious. You were not designed to want to die. You were not... God have mercy. You are not designed to, to not like the world that you're living in. That is why when I walk in and I talk to people that struggle with anxiety and depression and fear, I, I'm, I'm all about, man, find the help you can get. Uh, but be very careful with anything that will numb your emotions uh, and cause one thing to replace another thing. Uh, my God, I know there's other means and ways to do it, uh, but you just need to go back to an altar every single day and say, God, I wasn't designed for depression. God, I wasn't designed for depression. God, whatever's wrong, I need you to help me. Whatever's not clicking, I need you to fix it. God, help me find a solution to the problem. I'm going to tell you what, if he can do it for a demoniac of Gadara who's got a legion of devils, about 5,000 of devils, what is depression to one person? God can do it. I said God can do it. God can do anxiety. God can deliver you of anxiety this morning. You want to know why people are moving towards the doctors and the, and the, and the philosophers and all them today? It's because religion is not giving them a demonstration anymore. It's, it's the form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. We, we, we talk about a Jesus that does miracles, but we'd never promote miracles. We talk about a Jesus that can heal, but we never promote a healing Jesus. We're good to tell the stories, but honey, stories ain't going to change you. You got to get in the book, in the pages. You can become Bartimaeus. You can become the demoniac of Gadara at the foot of Jesus. You can become the answer and not part of the problem. God, would you clap your hands to the Lord? 
Hallelujah. I know why I've been fighting all this morning. There were people that were going to be here that needed to hear, you are not designed to live the rest of your life this way. Oh, come on, the devil. I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but the devil's been trying to tell you this is it, man. This is how it's always going to be. You might as well accept it. You're a fail. Oh, you're a failure. You're no good. You're going to struggle the rest of your life with depression and anxiety. Well, I need Antioch right now to say no. That is not true. It's not what, oh! Man, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I said, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Come on, could you clap your hands unto the Lord and give him praise all over this house? Come on, could you begin to worship him right now? All across this room, begin to tell him, God, I believe what he's preaching. I believe what he's preaching. Come on, somebody, you don't have to shout it. You can whisper it. Just say, I believe. Come on, somebody say, I believe. Hey, I know some of you are tired, but God's trying to help somebody. Hallelujah. You can be seated. I'll never forget when God did it for me. God got me out of environment. God delivered me. Man, I just feel the Holy Ghost right now. We just lift our hands right where we are. Hallelujah. Sister hadn't come. I feel the Holy Ghost. I don't know who I'm talking to right now. I had a lot of preaching to do, but right now I just feel, man, you've tried it every other way. Come on, this don't have to define you. Hallelujah. Let me, let me get where I'm going. I'm finishing up. If at all possible, I, I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, the enemy's going to try to distract some of us. I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. I've been praying for some of you. I've been saying, God, you got to conquer this in their life. You know, you, you know, you know what happened when Joseph started thinking beyond his climate. I won't tell you how the enemy works. They'll tell you, you ain't gonna be nobody. It's always going to be this way. You're not going to have anything open up for you. You're never going to be. But his dad. Can I borrow your coat? Jacob made a lot of mistakes. But he got it right here. See, Joseph next to his brothers, the least likely to inherit anything because he's one of the youngest. In the eyes of succession, he's a nobody. But Jacob decided to act like God for a moment. (laughs) And 
I don't know. Have you ever seen a man sow? A couple times, but he went to sowing. No, no, I'm telling you, no distraction right now. I, I'm going to tell you right now, the enemy is out to distract what's happening right now. And he knows what his son goes through laying down on the pillow of every night. Who am I? I'll never be nobody. I got all my problems. I just, just who I'm always going to be. But daddy got to work. Mom's dead. Disappointment in Joseph's life doesn't even have a mama to hold his hand and help him. Everybody else does. He's just alone. He, he, he's gone through things none of his other brothers have been through. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, experiences are real. <laughs> and there's some people walk in here, you're right. Nobody would ever understand what you've been through. You are right. We won't. But he does. Woo, I, I, man, God is here. So daddy says, I know what you're going through, Joseph. I ain't going to let it stay that way. And daddy, what are you doing back in that tent so late? I'm busy. Leave me alone. One of the boys say, I saw him with needle and thread. What's dad doing? Man, I think he's sewing something. What's this? I don't know. Man, he's got red and green and blue and purple. And then the day comes. Come here. He takes that nobody of a son. And in front of the haters. Because that's what your father will do. He says, I want to see if this fits. And man, it's beautiful. See if it'll button. Oh, man. Now, now I want everybody to hear me right now. Do you know what the coat of many colors represented in those days? Royalty. <laughs> the least likely to succeed. Daddy says, not on my watch. <laughs> you will not be defined Thank you. by what you've been through. Just. <laughs> <laughs> 